So today we go to chapter, Matthew chapter 23, beginning with the first verse. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie heavy, cumbersome loads and put them, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is pointing out the hypocrisy of their religious leaders. Jesus did not have a problem with the teachings of the religious leaders, but he did have a problem with the example that they set. They taught the law of Moses correctly, but they did not live out uh, their faith in a humble way. They were not servants of the people, rather they tied heavy loads upon other peoples. So in other, in other words, they were the type of preacher who would preach a message that was good, but then when they left that time of preaching, uh, they, they actually lived in a way that was not according to the scriptures. So, and, and they also love recognition. They love to be seen by people. Everything they do is done for people to see. And then Jesus says something interesting. They make their phylacteries wide. Anybody here know what these phylacteries are? Oh, I got one person here. <laughs> Nobody else knows what the phylacteries are. All right, we have a picture. Alyssa, could you put the picture up? Uh, they still uh, wear these. Uh, the Jewish people still wear, wear these phylacteries and these tassels. Uh, the phylacteries that they wear are basically a, a little box. They still wear them today. See the box on uh, the, the gentleman's head. And that box contains a, a scroll of the law of Moses. Okay? And uh, they also have one attached to the bicep here, and it's bound around the arm. And so there's a little box, and inside the box is... Uh, a little scroll of scripture. And uh, the reason they do this is because of Deuteronomy chapter 6. The reason they wear these phylacteries, uh, both upon their forehead and on their arm, is because of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you'll see why here in a minute. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments, and that's the, the Torah, the Torah which they... Put in the, in the uh, they, they roll up a little piece of the Torah and put it in these boxes on their foreheads and 
uh, upon their, um, their arms. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, all right, and bind them on your what? Foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses, and they even have little, little boxes that they attach to their door frame, and it has a little uh, roll of the, the scroll, the Torah, that they place on their door frame. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this is Jesus never, he never uh, says that the wearing a phylactery, that is the box with the roll of the Torah upon your uh, forehead or uh, bound around your hand and really attached to the bicep is the way it is. Um, he, he never condemned that. He never said that it's wrong to do that. But what the Pharisees did is they, they liked to, to really impress people with the size of their little box on their forehead or upon their arm. And they thought that if, if my box that is on my forehead is bigger than yours, then I'm more holy than you are. So they did it for show. They did it as a way to impress other people. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to be humble servants. We are not called to draw attention to ourselves or to live a life that's impressive before other people. And one of my favorite examples of what it means to be and to live as a disciple of Jesus is given to us by Jesus in Luke chapter 18, Luke 18, 9 through uh, 14. To some who were confident in their own righteousness, this is Jesus speaking, uh, and, and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So he has two men, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and these Pharisees were the ones with the big uh, phylactery upon their forehead. They thought they were really holy and impressive because their scroll was, uh, or their phylactery was bigger than everybody else's. Two men went up to the temple, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector, a tax collector being despised, known as a sinner. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. What, what do I do? Well, I fast twice a week and I get a, give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The famous Scottish, Scottish preacher John Knox is buried. He's buried under public parking space number 23 in Edinburgh, Scotland. <laughs> uh, I, I really think that should be the goal of, of all of us. Not that we would be remembered throughout the generations as being an impressive person. But really my dream is, is that in the years to come, and I think all of our, our uh, goal should be is that, is that we're not really remembered, but as a result of us being here on earth, that Christ is made known. 
that Christ is exalted, that he is lifted up. So the preacher John Knox, he's buried under parking, public parking space number 23 in Edinburgh, Scotland. Our dream as disciples should be to die and to be forgotten. The only legacy or memory that we should live or leave is that of Jesus. So I want to ask the question today, how do we live in humility? And this is a difficult sermon. Doing these things can create a sense of ungodly pride. So I can give you four points today, and then you can leave here saying, well, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, and I'm doing that. So I am a good Christian. One of my greatest qualities is that of humility. Doing these things can create a sense of ungodly pride. You can say, I'm doing these things so that I am good and humble. Now, you don't do these things to draw attention to yourself. Randy Newman, author of Questioning Evangelism, in his article entitled Ways to Pursue Humility, gives these four points. So I want us to consider these points this morning. Ways to Pursue Humility. Number one is dependent prayerfulness. Being a person who is dependent upon God in prayer. When I fail to pray, I'm basically telling God something. When I neglect prayer, I'm basically saying, God, I don't need you. When I do not pray, I'm basically saying, God, I can handle life on my own without you. But dependent prayerfulness is the exercise of humility. It's basically saying, God, I need you. I need you. Uh, I need your power. I need your strength. And I need your grace so that I can face the challenges that I'm facing today. So to be humble is to be a person who is dependent upon God in prayer. Number two is confession, not excuses. Confession, not excuses. Oftentimes we want to try to excuse ourselves, but that's not confession. Confession isn't saying, excuse me. Confession is saying, Lord, I have sinned against you. I have offended you and there are no excuses. That is confession. There is no excuse for what I have done. Because I have sinned against you in thought, in word, in deed. In church, with confession, there comes great freedom and liberty. Confession brings a release. To come before God and to confess our sins is probably one of the most helpful things that we can do for ourselves. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We're not trying to make excuses. There's no excuse for sin. But humility is to go before God and to say, Lord, I have sinned. There's no excuse for it. Would you forgive me? And he forgives. He cleanses you from all of your sin and all of your unrighteousness. You are liberated from the bondage of guilt. 
So to be humble is to be uh, dependent uh, upon God through prayerfulness, to confess, not to ask for excuses. And then outward intercession, it's to begin to think of other people, not just to pray for for me and what I want, uh, not to be the type of person that is, that is just praying about my, my list of things that I need done by God in my life, but to have um, an outward intercession. In other words, to think of the needs of other people, to pray, to intercede for others, to intercede for our community, to intercede for people that are going through horrific things around the world. To be a church of outward intercession. That our prayers would be going before God on behalf of the needs of other people. There are many needs within our congregation and there are many needs within our community. And we should be a people of outward Intercession, dependent prayerfulness, God, I need you, confession, not excuses, outward intercession, I'm considering the needs of my neighbor, of my church family in my prayers, and then others-oriented conversation. Others-oriented conversation. One of the best ways, and one of the most powerful ways that you can serve other people. One of the most powerful ways that you can serve each other here at Maple Park Church. One of the greatest ways you can serve our neighbors is by listening. Listening. Listening to what they have to say. Listening to what they're going through. I have a tendency, maybe it's because I'm a preacher, uh, to dominate conversation. Sometimes when I'm in a, in a group meeting, I realize, man, I am doing most of the talking here in this Bible study. Or I'm doing most of the talking here in this, uh, in this meeting. I want to share what, what I think is best. And sometimes when I engage with people in conversation, I, I realize, man, I am, I'm doing most of the talking here. One of the best ways to serve other people is to shut your mouth and open your ears. To be aware of what's going on in other people's lives. Sometimes people just need to get things off of their mind or off of their chest. Sometimes people just need to express their frustrations, the difficulties that they're going through. And for them, that's a, that's a, a, a powerful Um, act of love on their behalf from you. So when you open your ears and when you listen, you're saying, I care. You're You're saying that you are more important than me. So let's be a people who shut our mouths, open our ears, listen, and serve. Uh, So Ways to pursue humility, dependent prayerfulness, confession, not excuses, outward intercession, praying for others, being concerned for others in our prayers, and others-oriented conversation. Humility is not about devaluing yourself. And I think that when we talk about humility, we can, 
we can begin to uh, maybe create a very um, damaging vision of humility. And that is that if I'm going to be a humble person, that means I devalue myself. Humility is not thinking uh, of yourself uh, as, as uh, a nobody. Humility is not about devaluing yourself. Humility is not believing you're a nobody. Rather, humility, according to Romans 12, 3, humility is not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. Not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. I want you to know that we are called to humility. But that doesn't mean that you are not valuable. Remember that you are of infinite value. All human life is valuable. So you have great value. So humility isn't making yourself um, a nobody. Or thinking of yourself as a nobody. Humility is to understand that you are of great value. But the goal of life is not to serve self, but to serve others. So our sinful nature, it wants to devalue people. That's what our sinful nature wants to do. We want to devalue ourselves and we want to devalue other people. We see this in the world today. Some people uh, want the Jews dead. Some people want the Muslims dead. Some people want the Christians dead. But we value all human life. It doesn't matter if they agree with us. It doesn't matter if they vote with us. It doesn't matter if they're our friend or our enemy. It doesn't matter if they disagree with our lifestyle. And we're put off by their lifestyle. We value all people. And that takes great humility. It takes great humility to look at other people that we completely and totally disagree with. And to say, I value you. That you are of great value not only to me, but to God. So all human life. At all stages. All ages are of infinite value. From the moment of conception, human life has value. We don't snuff out human life because their existence is inconvenient. You are of infinite value. And every other human being is of infinite value. You are so valuable that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross for you. You see, humility is made flesh in Jesus. And if you want a a real flesh and blood and bone example of humility, look to Jesus. And look no further than the cross upon which your Redeemer bled and died. Jesus, his life, and his death are the ultimate examples of humility. If you desire to live a humble life, 
Look to Christ. Look to Him. And seek to be led by Him. And Jesus, He he didn't uh, have to be humble. He, He is the King of all of creation. This vast universe that we live in. The brain cannot comprehend how vast this universe is. When scientists begin to explain the enormity of this universe, the the countless billions upon billions of stars, billions of galaxies, how big that is, how enormous that is, our minds cannot comprehend that. Because we're on a little invisible speck in our little corner of the universe. Uh, This planet is so small in comparison to this universe. Jesus is the creator of it. He's the sustainer of this universe. Yet he is mindful of us. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows every hair upon your head. He has the hairs on your head numbered. Some of you have fewer hairs and some of you have more hairs, but he has every hair on your head numbered. Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross for you and for your salvation. There's an old, maybe if we could get some guys together to sing it. I think it's the Florida boys who sang it. Quartet from back in the day. When Jesus was on the cross, they sang, When Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. As Jesus hung upon the cross, he saw through time. He saw the year twenty. 23. He saw you sitting here today at Maple Park Church. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. Another line from that song is, is that he knows me, he knows me, yet he loves me. Isn't that amazing? He knows everything about you. He knows your sin. He knows your failure. He knows uh, your inconsistency. He knows your, your bad attitude, the unforgiveness, or the, the anger problem that you have, or whatever it is, whatever it is you're struggling with. He knows everything. And he loves you. He died for you. And church, may that be the basis for us to leave this place today. Emulating the humility of Christ towards others. That we would be a people who are dependent upon him in prayer. That we wouldn't make excuses, but that we would have true confession, saying, Lord, there is no excuse for what I've done. May our intercession be outward. May we begin to pray for one another in this community. And may we show that we love people and that we care about people by actively listening, closing our mouths, opening our ears, and demonstrating love towards others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you and I praise you that you humbled yourself. Lord of creation, you spoke this universe into existence with a single word. 
And yet you are concerned for us. You're concerned for me. You're concerned for each individual who is sitting here today. You love each of them. So Lord, now I pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring faith where there is no faith. That you would bring life where there is no life. And I pray that that life that's generated by your Spirit in us would be 